1: Brought to you
2: by Finley Roofing. We've got you covered. Atlanta's most trusted and recommended roofer.
0: This is completely BS. This is shame. They had to win tonight. If that's that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win.
1: Thanks for making us your sports station. Sports Radio
2: 92.9 The Game. It is Dukes and Bell. When you put the uniform on and you go out and you play poorly or your team doesn't get it done, it does not matter if you're a black or white quarterback. What matters is the result, and for Lamar Jackson, who is special and is going to be the MVP this year, to lose the game yesterday, it is not unfair to criticize the performance. It is about the performance. It's not about the person or what the person looks like. And so as people around the country are saying, hey, Lamar, who was infuriated, at least, you know, by his uh, accounts, and and I get it, throwing an interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter – it was huge. That was a when that happened, I said ball game. That that was it right there. But we can't sit here, Mike and I, and go, yeah, we really like Lamar, which we do, and not criticize the performance. The performance was not good enough in this particular moment. And it doesn't mean that Lamar's not going to get back there. It doesn't mean that Lamar might have two Super Bowls when it's all said and done. But yesterday, Mike, I don't know if it sets up any better in another season where you have the best defense in the league, you have the first team all-pro quarterback on the field.
3: And you have home field advantage. Look, guys, two years ago we were saying the same things about Lamar Jackson. We were saying about Aaron Rodgers. You know, remember that game against the 49ers? I mean, in in Lambeau. And I, I you know, I was talking to a guy earlier and again, I don't I don't know what it is. I I hate the you know the agenda comes into play about race and all this. Look, I've been doing this for twenty five years. I like Lamar Jackson, okay? I even defended Jameis back in the day when he was doing stupid stuff. You know, but it just it guys, just can we separate that as Carl just said? and just have a conversation about what's expected. You're having a great season. You have the number one defense. You're at home. You're a favorite against Patrick Mahomes. And then nothing went right. Now, we can also say, yeah, there was some screwy things from Todd Munkin as the O.C., and they didn't play to their strengths and ran the ball more. But to me, the plays, and it was the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, Lamar did stuff that makes you go, oh, wow, it's unbelievable stuff. It's like the Mike Vick kind of highlight reel stuff that you see. Or back in the day, you know, the kind of stuff that, you know, John Elway would do. But then you do stuff where you go, man, what do you do? Why are you taking a hit? Why are you taking the sack there? How are you fumbling? How are you throwing into triple coverage? I mean, these are things you cannot do if you're going to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and company. He uh, had won,
2: I say he, the team had won their past seven. Um, But the key yesterday, going into yesterday's game, is, you know, Baltimore was averaging 34 points a game, 33.9. They scored 10 points yesterday. Is that Lamar or is that the Chiefs' defense? Well, it's a little bit of both. But as far as Lamar, I do want you to hear John Harbaugh talk about, you know, the fact that, that he's got a big heart. Listen, guys on that team love him. Trust me. Oh, yeah. They love him. They wanted to win for him as much as anything. But when the ball's in your hands and you've got to make these decisions, you know, th- this all comes back to the, the quarterback. And this is why we're praising Mahomes and talking about the guys that, that came up short yesterday. Let me hear Harbaugh before we get to an NFL blitz. I told him to
1: stand up tall. You know, he's had a great season. He, he His performance today was all heart. He fought. He went out there and gave it everything he had, so I don't think that's anything that I'd be disappointed in.
2: Yeah, I and I'm, I'm not disappointed in the season or what he was able to accomplish. It's just these are the moments that define you. Right. This is why we're talking about already in six seasons Patrick Mahomes being the greatest quarterback in the history of the game because in these moments in six years, He's defined the fact that I'm going to make the best plays, the right plays, and lead my team to victories. That's what we know
3: about Patrick Mahomes. If you don't know anything else, that's what you know in these moments, Mike. Yeah, and I said this to a couple of guys, you know, even you know, D-Led's coming at me over this. Guys, he chokes, or, you know, he's not playing to his, to his maximum potential. There's no other way to describe it. When we say Peyton Manning was choking when he, his nemesis was not Patrick Mahomes, it was Tom Brady, okay? And, and – he was two and four through his first six games. Remind you of what Lamar's going through? Yep. I said the same thing about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan blew it in 2010 in the divisional round and, again, had a really bad second half against the, uh, the 49ers. So the same things apply to those guys are going to apply to Lamar when you, you call it like it is.
2: It is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Coming up, Benjamin Albright. We'll talk to him, KOA, Denver, NFL insider. He's all over the league. We'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl as well as what happened yesterday. Right now, though, let's get to an NFL blitz. Welcome to the NFL.
1: With news and notes from around the league, this is NFL Blitz on Dukes and Bell.
2: Well, speaking of Lamar, um... You know, Patrick Mahomes was talking about Travis Kelsey. God, did you see Kelsey yesterday, by the way? Do you guys realize he got thrown the ball 11 times and he caught 11 balls? He didn't right. miss yesterday. And, and I got to tell you, the, the the plan that the Ravens had was mm. Kyle Hamilton. their are all pro safety, by the way. Was going to be a guy that was going to help defend Travis Kelsey all day long. He ate his lunch. Right. He made every play yesterday. And Mahomes Here's- dropped that touchdown. How about that throw on oh, the touchdown? Man? Crazy, Mike. Here's Mahomes talking about uh, Travis Kelsey and his leadership.
4: Yeah, he's one of those guys that he, he loves the challenge. I mean, all week, I mean, rightfully so, we heard about how great their defense was, um, and they were. I mean, they shut us out in the second half. Um, but for Travis, that's like, all right, what, what can I do against this great defense? I mean, so he, he has that mindset, and he led us like that. Every single practice, every single walkthrough, he was focused in. He was locked in, bringing energy. It makes my job a lot easier when you have a guy that's in that room, that tight end room, that receiver room, and he can lead those young guys and show them how we do and and uh, lead us uh, to AFC champion. See, this
2: is why it falls on Lamar. You just heard Patrick Mahomes, Mike, say they shut us out in the second half. Give me
3: some offense. And I know Patrick's not going to call out Andy Reid, but I think they went to a bit of a shell because, you know, as Randy Max said at the handoff, they didn't really need to do much more because Lamar and the Ravens couldn't do anything. Go back and look. Guys, I, I look, look at the numbers. You got punt, 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 fumble, punt, field goal. You know what I mean? That's after the after the touchdown on the second possession. They didn't do anything in the second half, and I, I get it. You know, the uh, the fumble, the Zay Flowers, fumble, you, that's not going to be on, uh, on on your quarterback. But, man, and by the way, we, have you ever seen, like, touchbacks have more influence on playoff games? <laughs> Think about, like, we saw it with McCall Hardman. We yeah. saw. I mean, we just seen a, a, a rash of them from the end of the regular season in the playoffs.
2: We have. Uh, the Zay Flowers play, mm. again, that's not on Lamar. He completes the pass, but then Zay fumbles. It's just those moments, man. They absolutely set you back. Let me hear Brock Purdy or check that Kyle Shanahan talking about Brock Purdy because he was a dude in the second half. I
3: thought it was the difference between winning and losing. Um, he made some big plays with his legs, getting out of the pocket, moving the chains in some first downs, getting some explosives. Uh, he competed his ass off today and it wasn't easy for any of us, but uh, he kept grinding and uh, was unbelievable there in the second half.
2: Now, look, I, I think all these guys are different. Mm. But Kyle Shanahan is Shanahan, he took Matt Ryan to the Super Bowl. Yep. He took Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and now he's taking Brock Purdy Mr. to the Super Bowl. Mr. Irrelevant. Mike, I mean, all these guys are different. They're all, you listen, Matt is a Hall of Famer. Brock's a long way away he's from it. Garoppolo, not even close. But he's taking all these different guys with different skill sets completely
3: to the Super Bowl and let's be honest Garoppolo you go I mean hell this guy's having you know certainly in the mix for an MVP conversation if not you know top three but you got a guy that nobody respects certainly nobody who's talking for a living about sports on television respects your quarterback (laughs) in Brock Purdy you know so it's going to be it's going to be interesting in Vegas going to be bananas But I just think, you know, how many chances are you going to have at this? If you're Shanahan, you got to grab the brass ring. Got to get one. You know? And then, you know, you look at – we said this earlier. The Chiefs were as dysfunctional of Chiefs team as you could ever see. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes crying to Josh Allen about the offsides call. You know, the way they were dropping passes all over the place down the stretch. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like they hit a character. Yeah. Right? They throw a switch, and now these guys make, now they make the plays. It's crazy. Hey, NFL Blitz brought to you by our friends at Priority Men's
2: Medical Centers. Check them out at PriorityMensMedical.com. Eagles hire Kellen Moore, Mike, former Cowboys OC, right? Then he mm-hmm. went to the Chargers, got screwed because Brandon Staley didn't know how to run a ship. And mm-hmm. then, now he is going to be the new OC for the Eagles. Does he fit And does he fix Jalen Hurts in that offense for the Eagles?
3: What do you think of his work with Dak Prescott? I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things do apply there. He's still a relatively young guy. He's only 35, is Kellen Moore. So, you know, and some people in St. Philly are saying, yeah, position this guy to get rid of (laughs) Sirianni. Sirianni." (laughs) But, yeah, first things first, just, you know, find – I thought down the stretch, especially when they were, like, losing those games to the Giants and and, and the playoff game against Tampa Bay, there was nothing underneath. There was nothing intermediate. It's almost like it was everybody go along. You know, it's like they panicked. And I think you can find the happy medium. And you've got the athletes. you got the receivers and the running backs.
2: Falcons hire Zach Robinson as their OC. And if you are wondering, we will hear from our new head coach, Raheem Morris, next Monday. The official press conference will happen. Of course, we'll be there 92-9 the game. Your home, for Atlanta Falcon football. But uh, we don't know the time and all that. But we will certainly be there and bringing you all of the latest. Mike, um, also the Bears – hire Eric Robinson as their new D.C. Um, he was a guy, this was announced Saturday, he's, he's filling that, that vacancy that was created by Allen Williams, who resigned ahead of week two last year. It was just weird. So Iberflus, who mm-hmm. re- maintained his job, bringing in a new defensive coordinator. Iberflus took over the defensive call play calling during the right. season. But um, So now they have a guy that they can say, hey, this is, our, this is our D.C. I thought that defense got better, but you said it. It's really about what they're going to do in this draft that, the, that's what everybody is mm. wondering. And if in fact they're going to draft Caleb Williams or on the quarterback, I don't know if it'll be Caleb, whoever, then how does that happen and what is the package they, re- they receive in return? Okay. Depends on how about ba- how far down for, for the, Justin. Right,
3: how far down are you coming up to get there, right? I mean that's this is where you know you begin to say who's got the better picks? Who's all now? Here's the other thing. Who else in the top ten, just for argument's sake, is in on Justin Fields? Maybe every general manager says I've seen enough of fields, and you guys in Atlanta are too close, close to it. it. Yeah. and yeah. this dude's already shown you he's too inconsistent. Because after he smoked us, he went right back to the bad fields the final week of the season. So, and, and where? What is he now? In his defense, I'll use the old Baker argument that Squid used to yell at us about coaches and turnover. You know, we had Matt and Matt Nagy, then they had a, a nitwit who's never even been an OC in the NFL before. So you get a, you get the right guy now. Coming off, let me ask you this. Coming off what you saw with the Rams, isn't Kirk Cousins perhaps a better fit for Zach Robinson than a dual threat guy? Probably. That's that's part of Probably. it. Right. Yeah. Part of it. Or, uh, or Michael Penix is a better fit. You know, if you stand pat at eight or try to move down and still pull off a Penix trade, a Penix uh, draft. That's what we've got to fit that's what they've got to figure out. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> okay? Monday and Mercedes-Benz, we will not get these answers because they're not going to tell you what the plan no – nobody goes out there. okay, media, let me tell you exactly how we're going to try to accomplish these things so every team out there knows exactly what – no, we're not going to get that. We're going to get the broad strokes about what the offensive direction is going to be. Yeah. But until you get the quarterback, it's kind of a moot point. Uh, by the way, the 49ers opened as
2: a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but then it dropped to one-and-a-half, and I wish I would have saw that. <laughs> because mm-hmm. again, I just I'm like I, I'm in this my home zone right now, uh, and I'm like I just mm-hmm. uh, from a, just a betting standpoint. If you're right. just talking simply betting, it's not to say that the 49ers won't win the game, but that's like yesterday. They went in to, to, to Baltimore a four like, four and a half point dog. Right. Come
3: on. Yeah, and the other thing we like we gave you consumer news you could use on Friday. That's why we jumped on. We I think we all went undefeated, right, Chris? We all I think we got it all right. I had the over on the 49ers, you and I both took the uh, the, the Lions and the Chefs. We got that uh, the cover from the from the Lions late. Thank you. But the story that drove me nuts, and I thought the officiating in the Ravens game was terrible. The the official, and that's Sean Smith. Home teams win 55.4% of games across the last three years. But when Smith's the ever referee, that goes down to 40.8%. Not 48, 40 15% off the win percentage for most home teams when he's officiating. That's weird, man. They, I mean, the the, I mean, I thought the Chiefs got away with some some tackles at, at the line of scrimmage, and I thought some of the uh, the no calls on pass interference were just criminal at times.
2: Yeah, that that, and it was a chippy game, right? It, it started out that way, It was chippy, and then you know once the Chiefs jumped on these guys, the crowd kind of got taken out of it. But yeah, it, it, that
3: is a weird statistic. And by the way, I, I get it. You can't stand over a guy and go blank my blank, but. Taunting in a playoff championship game? Come on, let that go. Yeah. These are all grown men. Later on, he can clean his clock if he didn't like what the guy was saying, standing over him. Yeah. I I, thought, I think there's no place for that kind of... Yeah, some guys go, well, it's sports. sports, sports. It's a championship game with modern-day gladiators. Let the guys do their job, man. Was he standing over him, though, with his... Like his- <laughs> His balls in front no, of he's of always like, looking like, up at them.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the thing. you got to be careful about that part of it.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah, but I just thought, I mean, to me, come on. You know, it's, it's just chicken blood. Benjamin Albright's going to join us, NFL
2: insider. We'll get his take on all the things that went down yesterday. And as we look ahead to the Super Bowl, coming up on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
1: Call from mom. Answer it.
4: Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Lots of finger-pointing going on today as we look back at what happened. Championship Sunday, Ravens fall short, Rams blew a 17-point lead, and we want to talk to our man Benjamin Albright, KOA Denver NFL insider. And uh, Benjamin, one of the things that Mike and I have been talking about today is, you know, the criticism of Lamar Jackson. Uh, People, you know, are taking offense to it. Some people saying it's unfair. It's absolutely fair. But I want to get your take on what you thought about his performance and why the Ravens weren't able to do the things that we've seen them do all season long.
0: Well, let's start with the back half of that first. I think why they weren't able to do the things they were doing all season long is they weren't doing the things they did all season long. I mean, we saw, what, three first-half runs on, uh, on on lengthy downs, on, on early downs like that. Um, they weren't running the ball. They weren't running the ball effectively, and they didn't commit to it. And uh, consequently, a lot of those things that they do that build off of that, including play action on, on deep over, uh, weren't there. And and so, you know, I think in order to win with Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to, to build a strong run game. You're going to have to show a commitment to that even when it doesn't here to be gashing uh, people early and if you're able to do that it keeps you multi-dimensional it keeps defensive coordinators guessing less dialed in and, and allows him to be his best self
3: yeah we talked about Todd Munkin's game plan you're touching on it Benjamin that just it just it did make a lot of sense and then later on Lamar kind of got into some decisions that were just not you know ill-advised or he was just overthrowing guys too I mean before we get to what mm-hmm. you know Zay Flowers did I just thought he was pressing
0: well, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, you know, you saw, what was it, two passes, I think, to the sideline, on, on the sideline there, the deep ball that was just overthrown. You saw him fire one into triple coverage. It was picked off. Um, you know, there were some – Lamar is not blameless. I mean, he's not above criticism. Um, I think there's a nuanced conversation to be had here about how the offensive game plan didn't play to his strengths, and, and he also did not play at his best.
2: All right, uh, what about – what we saw with Patrick Mahomes. It's becoming so normal, which is weird, right? That, that it shouldn't feel this way, but it does. He gets in these games, and then he does Patrick Mahomes things, and then after the game, everybody goes, oh, he was great, he was terrific, he was spectacular. It's become the norm.
0: Yeah, I think you know it's funny with Pat Mahomes when he was at, at Tech and, and coming out in that draft. I you know I compared him. I was like, man, this guy's like Brett Favre with even more mobility. He's going to be a star in this league. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hold on the on the, the Hall of Fame comparison conversation. And the sad part is, I might have undersold. Um, you know, he's more efficient than Favre ever was. But uh, but he's got a cannon. He's got mobility, and he, you know he certainly made us all. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of drop our, uh, drop our jaws from time to time, uh, you know, over the course of the last few years. Yeah. He he makes things that would be difficult or impossible for anybody else seem routine. And he continues to be efficient, come back in games. And they told us it was the supporting cast. Well, then he loses the offensive line and Tyreek Hill and, and all that. And he's still, you know, Pat Mahomes. I mean, this was a down year for the Chiefs and he's still Pat Mahomes. So, You know, I I think uh, the combination of him with uh, the mind of Andy Reid has really maximized things. And, you know, the fact that for Kansas City, I think the hidden component here is the fact that the defense carried them at stretches this year when the offense was sputtering. And so they've got that at their backs, which is something they haven't always had in the Mahomes era.
3: Yeah, Benjamin Albright, guys from KOA, NFL Insider. Yeah, it's a great point. We we just mentioned it. They they look lost. I mean, remember the Bills game where he's crying to uh, Josh ja- Josh Allen about the offsides call, and all of a sudden just mm-hmm. they, it's like they just they just get into character. So moving forward, it just it's hard to see Brock Purdy outplaying Patrick Mahomes in a Super
0: Bowl. Well, yeah, and I, I don't expect Brock Purdy to outplay Pat Mahomes. That said, I mean, you you know you got a good Forty ers team over there, and you got a you got a good player called in his own right, and Kyle Shanahan and. Um, you know, obviously they've got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I think I think it's a good matchup. I think it's going to be a good Super Bowl. I, it could be a competitive game down to the fourth quarter. I do expect Kansas City to win it, but um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I think uh, I think the San Francisco has more reliable receivers, obviously, but Pat Mahomes is on another planet. And, um, you know the connection he's got with Travis Kelsey down the stretch, a guy who. Middle of the season, everybody was saying, look, washed. It's it's funny how you mentioned how Kansas City gets into character. It reminds you a little bit of uh, uh, watching the New England Patriots at the height of their their dynasty. You know, they treated the first month of the season like it was the preseason, tuned-up games. They didn't really care about those first, you know, four games, and then they just got into character and started winning football games. Kansas City's kind of got a lot of that same thing going on.
3: It's kind of like the way the Giants were with Coughlin, Mm. you know, with Eli. They'd be absolute garbage, and then November, all of a sudden, they'd flick the switch.
0: Well, yeah, there's, you know, there's something to be said for that. I think something that we can't quantify something we can't put in the math, you know, that uh, that, about that championship desire, that championship mentality and knowing that when the lights are at their brightest, I've got to play my best, you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I, covered a quarterback who was absolutely brutally bad for three quarters of football. And then for whatever reason managed to turn it on in the fourth and Tim Tebow. And uh, you know, it's one of those things. Some guys just have that. They have that gamer mentality where, you know, there's, there's something extra to the game is on the line. If I don't pull this out, we're going to lose and, and they dig deep and find it.
2: This hour is brought to you by Status Truck and Trailer Repair, driven by excellence, building successful partnerships at Stukes and Bell. We're talking to Benjamin Albright about all things NFL. All right, so the 49ers are racing a 17-point halftime deficit. Did you feel like they were going to in that game? It didn't feel like the way the game was going, that they were going to be able to get back into it. For me, and then once it started to happen, you got the turnover, you know, you got, it, it, things just started to kind of go, go downhill for them, and all of a sudden it was a completely different game, Benjamin.
0: Well, yeah. We always say that momentum isn't a real thing, but then you see that and you're like, well, maybe, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) to me, I mean, it's, it it was, it was one of those things at halftime. I'm like, man, if the San Francisco 49ers don't come out and just absolutely blow the doors off right out the gate, this is going to be over Uh, while I was sitting there at halftime, you know, get myself a a cold one. And, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things where I didn't, I'm not going to say that I was counting them out. But I was kind of like, I was at the point where I'm like, well, Detroit might actually pull this thing off, and then you know the wheels kind of came off, and you saw it coming. One thing mm-hmm. gets another. Then you get the turnover. Then you get all, and it, it, at that point you're like, okay, San Francisco's going to win this. This is not, you know, and and I don't know if it's the, you know, they, they had an interesting graphic on the television about the amount of playoff appearances each team had. There were seven total appearances. Uh, seven total games on the Detroit Lions side versus something like 40-something on the Niners side. And I'm not sure that that was the deciding factor, but I'm sure that had something to do with it. You can get a case of the tight cheeks in moments like that. It kind of felt like Detroit did.
3: And I know I saw you on social media as Benjamin Albright joins us, talking about you know, look, if you are a coach who's aggressive, and it's not even about like a referendum on analytics. He just is that's the way he plays it. Is the Lions you yeah. know not taking the field goals? They obviously took the field goal before halftime, but the momentum. I just think sometimes Benjamin, you got to have some situational awareness to say, look, you can take the crowd out, get it back to a three possession game, and and they didn't do that, and obviously it cost them.
0: Yeah, I you know there's there's a lot going into that. I think some people. You know, the math says what it says, right? But I think that there are there is situational awareness, as you pointed out. I think Dan Campbell kind of recognized, hey, look, I've got a kicker who doesn't kick outdoors. He's never kicked outdoors this season. I don't believe uh, field goals anyway. Um, and you know, he he uh, badly struggles uh, beyond 45 yards. I think he's what a 51% kicker beyond 45 yards. So I, I think there are instances where um, you know you look at this and you say, well, the math might say this, but I've got a better pulse on my team, and we're just we're going to go for it. You know, that kind of thing. And the human element will never be taken out. You know, no matter how much. You you, you get the, uh, you know, you get the accountants into football. You know, they they tried to get the uh, first they had the chemists in baseball. That didn't work. And they had the accountants in baseball. There's still a human element to it no matter what. And I think that Dan Campbell just errs on the side of, hey, we're going to be aggressive. That's our identity. Uh, And for once, the dice came up short.
2: Benjamin, let's talk about these coaching hires. Uh, You cover a division where Jim Harbaugh now is going to be, you know, a part of that division with the Chargers. That obviously was the biggest name hire. Um, Will it be the one that has the biggest and most effect next season when you talk about Harbaugh, what he's inheriting and what he hopes to do?
0: Well, I, I think it certainly affects a very crowded AFC, uh, you know, especially AFC West. When you look at the coaching staffs out there, you've got the, you know, obviously you got Antonio Pierce, the Raiders, but then you've got Sean Payton with the Broncos and Andy Reed with the Chiefs. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty tough division in terms of coaching. Uh, and then you, you pair Harbaugh up with a quarterback like Herbert, who I think's undervalued because he's just had poor offensive coordinators uh, outside of Shane Steichen in his rookie year. So I, you know, I, I think it's a tough division. Um, I'm not, you know, the, the biggest, hiring that I'm the biggest fan of is, is the is the one there in Atlanta, um, with, with Raheem Morris. I've been stomping for the guy. He's you know, he's a guy I think that didn't uh know what he was getting into the first time he was a head coach and you know, I think he's a guy that uh, it was way too young for the job that he had. I think he's learned a lot over the last couple of years, and I think that much like uh, much like Dan Quinn, players are going to love playing for him. I, I just think he's got a better acumen on football. He's been on both sides of the ball, on the offense, the defense, and uh, I think uh, I think he's going to take an underrated Atlanta squad, and maybe maybe put him on top of the division next year.
3: Benjamin Albright from KOA, NFL Insider, with us on the waitfor.com hotline. So here's the question. We're just kind of kicking it around. I know we got the combine, and there's combine surprises and everything else, but do we go get it off uh, the tree, or do we get it from the barrel, as we like to say? Kirk Cousins wants 45 mil, coming off an Achilles. Do you trade for fields, or do you try to make a deal? Maybe all three of the best quarterbacks are off the board by the time we select.
0: Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, I think you have to kind of look at that for you guys. Luckily, free agency kind of comes first, so you'll be able to kind of get a pulse you know, and figure out if you'll need to make a massive move to, you know, to move up. Uh, I wouldn't pay Cousins that kind of money. Uh, Forty-five million at thirty-six years old, coming off an Achilles out. You know, learning a probably a new offense. I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. Um, I'm not sure that I go out and make a move for Justin Fields either. I mean, Fields mm-hmm. is what, eight and twenty-eight or something like that as a starter in the league. Um, the idea that that it was all the supporting cast and the OC there is uh, not exactly accurate. Uh, Fields most of his damage comes with his legs. It comes late when teams are in prevent. Uh, and the reason that the Bears, you know, had had such success down the stretch was the defense. The offense wasn't scoring appreciably more points. The defense was generating turnovers and getting stops. So. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure Fields the direction I would go. If I were, if I were the Falcons, I mean, I'd be looking at the draft, but I'd also look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is uh, uh, at this point he'd be a bridge quarterback, but he's going to be playing on a vet minimum deal next year because he's going to try and stick the Broncos for everything and, <laughs> and not get hit with the offsets. So you know you can get a bridge quarterback with veteran experience cheap and kind of you know take your time in the draft, see if something falls in your lap, uh, and maybe you're not on the big three. Maybe maybe a Bo Nix or a J.J. McCarthy appeals to you a little bit more after you go through the scouting process. So I think you're in an actionable position. I don't think you have to jump the gun on anything. And I'm not sure I, I move a bunch of assets, whether that's cash or, or draft picks, to get Fields or Cousins. You,
2: I know you're there in Denver. Sean Payton said after the season, yeah. I, I'm just curious where you're at on this, or maybe you know. He was like, we hadn't made a decision on Russ. Have they made a decision?
0: No, they made the decision when they benched him with two games to go, and he was top five in the NFL in touchdown passes. Well, Led the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks, led the NFL in game-winning drives. Sean Payton didn't personally like Russell Wilson. He wore that on his sleeve. He, he set Russ up for failure, and you, and you can see it. I mean, the Broncos, uh, they scored a little bit on the script, but they were 29th and 31st in scoring in the second and third quarters, and number one in the NFL in scoring in the fourth quarter huh. when they let Russ cook, and, so, and that was the thing. Sean Payton just couldn't coexist with him.
2: So, Benjamin,
3: they're going to take that hit.
0: Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll probably use a post June one designation, but they're going to take the hit. All right,
3: and because you're out there, and we were looking at it from afar, we always felt that man. I thought he was Pete Carroll was the bad guy in Seattle. Just everybody just takes shots at Russ from former teammates to, to teammates in real time. What do you make of it?
0: Well, it's it's a it's a several fold thing. I mean, Russ's personality is what I call toxic positivity. Like, it's positivity even when it's not believable. You know, you're in the third quarter of a game, you're getting blown out by four scores, and he's, yeah, we got this, guys. No, we don't. We don't got it. Yeah. You know, and I think people wanted to see uh, some of that out of Russ and you just never do. He stays in that mode all the time. It's it's like his life philosophy, you know, and I don't think that level of positivity works all the time. Um, and then there's just personality in a locker room. You know, he grew up uh, with a bit of a different background than some of the other guys, and so he doesn't, you know, necessarily fit in culturally, I think, in a lot of cases. Um, I think there was an arrogance to Russ. He's not blameless. You know, when he left Seattle, he wanted to turn himself into Drew Brees. He thought he was one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation, and you know, they tried that. It didn't work. Um, there's a very narrow set of parameters in which Russell Wilson is absolutely excellent, and then there's these other things that other quarterbacks are good at that he's just not. And so, if you if you set him up in the way that he's good, you can you can have a lot of success. But when you try to shoehorn him into other things, it doesn't work. And the Broncos found that out the painful way.
2: Great stuff, as always. Appreciate your time. Benjamin Albright, uh, thanks so much. We'll talk soon.
0: Absolutely. Take care, guys.
2: All right. Uh, And by the way, uh, you know, he mentioned some of the guys there in the potential draft. The Bo Nix name keeps coming
3: up. It doesn't, that doesn't excite me. No. And they've actually been linked, at least early reports. There's a lot of stuff, guys, before we get there, but Broncos have been linked to him, too. Sure.
2: Uh, And I was going to tell Benjamin, stop trying to put Russ off on us. (laughs) Uh, But toxic positivity, that's a great way to put it. It is. But he makes a great point about you have options. We have options. All right. Yeah, man, no man's on the way. Stay right there. It's Dukes and Bell. Going to tell you more about that. Also, along the way, we're going to get a chance to talk to Connor Riley from Dog Nation. We'll talk to him about all things uh, coming up here at four o'clock in regards to college football dogs off-season program, everything that's happening there. Um, it's Duke's and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 in The game. If you're just joining us, uh, lots of, lots of discussion today, and, and rightfully so about the championship games. Thanks to Benjamin Albright, um, the quarterback decision is going to be interesting. And Mike and I kind of went to break there, and we were talking about you know some of these options. Some of these names, before we get to Yeah Man, No Man, they just don't do anything for me. Like, they don't move the needle. Mm. You know, and I know in Atlanta, we need to move the needle. We've been through two seasons of blah. Yep. I don't want to go through another season of that and just feel like we're not moving. We're on, a, on that hamster wheel, and we're just running, 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 and we're not going anywhere. Some of these names don't do anything for me. Mike's mentioning names, and I'm like, eh. Yeah. yeah. When you say a name and it should get you excited, okay, whether you feel like he's the guy or not, there's just some of these names and you go, eh,
3: I don't want to feel that way. No, I feel no interest in, in J.J. McCarthy. Uh, Bo Nix is reported as a fringe first round. As we said, guys, you got to wait because the combine will kind of set the market and then the pro days will improve somebody's stock or drop some, but you know the numbers. And then, you know, Michael Penix is the same argument against Kirk Cousins, is a 36 year old version of a guy that's an Achilles. He's a guy with like a lot of knee injuries, but he's got a cannon for an arm. All right, more on this coming up. Stay right there. Right now, let's get to Yeah Man, No Man.
1: It's time for Yeah Man, No Man. He's the former MVP of his high school football team. Not really. From New Jersey. The cab's here. And gives rapid-fire questions. Here's the executive producer of the Dukes and Bell Show, Chris Thomas.
2: All right, I'm sorry. I'm in my head. I'm just thinking Raheem Morris do not want that
3: either. You think yeah. as a new head coach he wants to come in here and give us Blah. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you, you either get an established guy or you get somebody you feel you you can roll with. And again, Zach Robinson will be the uh, the OC. More on that coming up. And William, you know, we'll ask uh, Connor about Bonex coming up. Absolutely. All right. What's going on, Turtle? Uh, welcome back. Uh, how long were you off? Eight, nine days. What's going on? How you been?
5: Well, that's not huh? entirely fair. Carl. No, it's not like I was not big working. O. We didn't see this guy all last week, did we? We didn't see this guy all. He was gone all week. What are you talking about? It's not like I
2: wasn't working. Oh yeah, that's true. All right. It felt like he wasn't yeah. here all week. <laughs> He's
5: Working nights. <laughs> I was uh, on assignment, as they oh, like. There you nice, go, Very nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of needle moving, let me see if this moves either of your needles. Hmm. How interested would you be, if at all, in a coach cast? What I mean by that is, Rich Eisen, Peter King, and others in the NFL media have suggested that the two goats unite and form something that we have never seen before. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, putting on an Eli and Peyton style cast, talking ball while watching games. Is that something you'd be interested in? Yeah, man. No, man.
3: <laughs> if, if it was, I mean, if they're going to let it all hang out, remember the two Bills documentary with Belichick and Parcells? Yeah, it was awkward. Yeah, because their relationship is awkward, but Saban's relationship is much better. Obviously, they're they're boys. But would they, you know, because look, Saban, I think Saban surprises people sometimes how loose he can be because we we have this vision. These guys are like robots. and That's not the case. Saban's but Belichick is a freaking robot. Saban's great.
2: I'm not excited about Belichick. He is too. He's never, unless you really know him. Okay. I'm telling you, he's never going to let out who he is in that kind of public form. Do you expect, like, the camera to come on and, and Saban to go, hey, Bill, you want a beer? You're damn right I do. Get me one. Come on over here. Let's sit down. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be entertaining. Saban's great. But we think, like, he's go- is he going to open up a side of Bill Belichick on TV or pocket podcast that we've never seen? It's not
5: happening. But what if they had an intermediary between the two of them? Who? Let's say, like, a Julian Edelman or a Gronk. A guy that's played for one of them, and that's that able to can loosen him up, flesh out the personality. Hey, maybe
3: bring in Mac Jones, that'll be great. No. <laughs> I guess he'll be out of a job next season. <laughs> Mac Jones in the middle of the hey, uh, coach. Uh, you know, you, you probably had a pretty good scouting report on me from this guy. What happened to New England, huh? Yeah, that'd be that'd be I, awkward. I listen. There are some guys.
2: Uh, Mike's right. Personally, privately, if you were to hang out with him, you probably really like Belichick. But he's not going to give you that public persona like that. And I just right. think, like, for the Eli's, or for the Eli's, for the Manning's, it's natural, right? It's a natural thing for them to clown around and do what they do, and that's why that works. I don't know. Uh, to answer your question, I don't think it would work. I'm probably not it. No,
5: man. All right. Maybe you'll be for this, although I don't think either of you will either. Jim Harbaugh was on the set this weekend, and uh, he made some news and made some noise He was talking about his brother and the chance to get back to a super bowl and then of course he was asked about his own decision making well he answered a question that we've all been wondering and that is why did he cheat did he cheat no 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 okay stayed away from that (laughs) and then he also talked about his experience meeting justin herbert for the first time and i'll let you decide
1: yeah it was it was tough Uh, i was torn my wife kids uh i love michigan but i love the nfl too and uh there's no Lombardi
3: trophy in, in college football and yeah, I got so many sands left in the hourglass and I want, I want to take a crack at that and there's there's uh, nowhere better to do it than with the Los Angeles Chargers Susie Spanos Dean Spanos Ed McGuire John Spanos uh, and this and this great quarterback. Oh yeah. So have you talked to him I have I have and uh, I met him and Der- Derwin James I mean pros pros these guys Keenan Allen but uh, I was a little starstruck. Justin. There, so, 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 so. there you go. Saying all the right things, man. Starstruck? Well, right. he's just trying to pump up his boys. Is that what you want your head coach saying about the quarterback? <laughs> that he was he was in awe of well, meeting he's, him?
2: He's just being positive <laughs> and stuff. If, it, true. But, I mean, like, if you met Brady and this is your first time coaching Brady, like, I would get that. Right. that Justin Herbert, but Austin was, hadn't won anything.
3: Yeah, but, you know, he's got charisma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's it. that is interesting, but you know what? T- to Mike's right. point, like uh, he does have pl- players. Right. He's got some real players on that team. Right. That's why that team is underachieved. But yeah, I don't know if that's the way I would describe that. Yeah, my, but that's, our but you know,
3: but that's Harbaugh that weird yeah. energy of his, which you know he he zigs when you think he's going to zag, and yeah, I mean he probably could have he could he have answered the question without sounding like a fanboy, I guess. But you know, he, but he, certainly the guys hear that and go, "Hey, coach likes us." Yeah. yeah. If he had come to
2: Atlanta, <laughs> would there be somebody he would have been starstruck of in the no. Falcons?
3: No. Let me tell you something. I am to meet Desmond Ritter. I am stoked. Nope. With the, no, I mean, yeah, and Grady, Bijan, well, Justin.
5: Why'd you change the play? Well, Coach uh, kind of lets me do whatever I want.
3: You know.
0: <laughs> well, I mean,
2: that's the way I, When I hear Harbaugh say that, and I, and Mike's right about his quirkiness, but I almost get the sense like Harbaugh was like, I met him and I told him I'll carry your bags. Where are we going? <laughs> I mean, like, come on.
3: Yeah, but that's that's him. That's what you that's what you were getting. And uh, we were just talking off the air. We're going to have this press conference coming up on Monday with our new coach. It'll be awkward. We're just saying, Chris, it'll be awkward if Arthur is there because there'll be so many questions about Belichick and Harbaugh and you're trying to introduce Raheem Morris. So I'm not sure how they navigate that unless Arthur makes a statement about that process, Carl, and then. But we're here to we're here to talk about Raheem Morris. Yeah, I wouldn't you be know? surprised if he
5: makes a statement and then passes it right off to Raheem without taking any questions from the media. Possible. One right. more before we get out of here. This sort of slipped under the radar this weekend. Braves Fest happened. I know our very own Andy Bunker brought his lovely family to Truist this weekend, and they actually did have a sit down with a couple of guys of note, including Max Freed, who addressed his contract situation. Uh oh.
1: You know, it's it's out of my control right now, but I mean the Braves do things a certain way, and I know that privacy and more uh, having that just kind of be m- more behind closed doors is the way things are done so i'm gonna, i'm going to respect that, but uh, I know that I, I love being here, and I'm really excited to get started with this group I mean we have we brought in a lot of really, really talented people. We have guys from last year that are still here and you know, we, did, we didn't accomplish what we wanted to last year, but I know that we have a really determined group, and I'm, I'm really excited to get started.
2: Now, Chris, I heard that he walked off after that answer and basically said, they ain't paid nobody. What makes you think they're going to pay me? Well, he, he said essentially that? He said it like that. He
5: didn't say that. Even, he didn't say joking that. aside, Carl, there was a comment about a quarter of the way through that soundbite where mm-hmm. he basically acknowledged as much yeah. saying they do things a certain way around yeah. here. He's, behind closed doors. he's
3: 30 years of age. He'll make 15 million dollars a year. If uh, be, and again, and this is like Kurt Flood years ago, you had the reserve clause. It's still kind of, you know, baseball's got it in a, a charmed life more than the other sports, Carl, as far as the, the, the way they control the salaries you know now you can jump the for gun for a longer period yeah, of time you you could do what yeah. they did with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuña but they just don't do it with starting pitchers you know cuz Max Fried on the open market is a 25 to 30 million dollar guy a couple years ago or maybe now i don't know
2: yeah i just you're not he's pay- never going to see that here well you're not paying him Shohei money nope are you paying him Max Scherzer money you're not paying him Garrett Cole money that's 40 million yeah. are, are you paying him DeGrom money Corbin's making 35 million are you paying him 35 yeah. million a season like, seriously, these are the top pitchers from a pay perspective that we're talking about, and you go,
3: okay, what about Nola? You're going to give him $30 million? But it's almost, like, it's almost like being franchise tagged in the sense of when you go to this, this arbitration year, because, you know, if he gets injured this year, he's screwed. And then he's never going to get the big payoff that, that you're talking about from those other guys. Yeah,
5: yeah, the
2: guaranteed deal. Right.
3: Um, and Let people, me ask
2: you a question. Is yeah.
3: he as
5: good at what he does as Austin Riley is at what he does? because yeah. they, they paid Austin Ryan. Austin's more durable l- r- lately. That's a great because point. They gave him a $200 million contract. Because that matters. That, that right. durability matters. Yeah, right.
2: listen, you know, these contracts are guaranteed in baseball, right? This is the, the issue when you lock up these pitchers long-term, and these agents understand this. This is why I always resent the fact, like, I'm not offering 10 years right? because I know and I've seen it, I've been around it. 10 years, these guys do not last. You're not going to get that after year five, The production just slowly, you know, starts to go down. There are rare cases. There are the Charlie Mortons of the world, Mike. But that's far few in between when you start talking about the money that you're investing. The return on your investment never, hardly ever pays off. So, if you're telling me that they're going to sign him to, what, Mike, a six- or seven-year deal?
3: No. Come on. But here's the thing. Chris Sale comes in after having some mediocre years. He's making two more million dollars a year than uh, Max Frieda is this year off arbitration. It unfortunately
5: points in the direction that we all know where this is heading yep. to
3: because we just watched it with two of the best players in
5: franchise history. Well, that's the bigger thing. And that's it's it's really unfortunate. Yeah, that, that's the bigger thing.
2: If you're not paying Freddie or Dansby, that, that's what it gets back to. And those are everyday guys. Those are everyday players, not, not fifth days, you know, one every fifth day. So I do think, listen, pitching still matters. You have young guys, but Mike mentioned it, 30. You're going to give him a 10-year deal? No way. Nope. Not happening.
3: All right, Big O, we got to run. Hit my music. And we like Max Free. Yeah, it just, I mean, he truly is, as he used to say in the Three Stooges, a victim of circumstance. <laughs> I, hope,
2: I hope he's great this yeah. year. I hope this staff is great because we're going to need it. Spring training, by the way, uh, I think, well, actually spring training is right around the corner. I was going to say uh, first game is like 60, 59 days away from yeah today so uh we're right it's right around the corner all right coming up we're going to talk to our buddy connor riley from dog nation also we'll hand out some game balls no balls in the four o'clock hour but when we come back mike mentioned it there's a lot of talk about what these quarterbacks may be looking like coming out of college we'll talk to connor about it coming up
4: next this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what